0: Hello and welcome back to Take a Closer Book. I'm your host, Guinevere Lee. This is the final episode of Season 2. We are ending our first look at Prism Nights with an interview with author Jay Kiyakis. I say first look because, of course, I am planning to take a second look at this series once it's finished being published. Now, this interview, which is slightly edited down, was recorded in the before time, in the spring of 2019. As such, Kiakis talks about being in the middle of working on Bronze, the fourth installation of Prism Nights, but that novella has actually been released, so you can go out and buy it. I'll have more information about how after the interview. Also, please stay tuned until the end because I have a couple of special announcements. No time to waste! Let's go to the interview! Welcome to Take a Closer Book. Joining me today is Jay Kiyakis, the author of the Prism Night series, three which have been published so far, Kokoliko, Sapphire, and Violet. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) So I'd just like to ask you a little bit about what your inspiration for writing this series was, and maybe just tell us a little bit about what it is. So the series itself is a series
1: of books that are supposed to be the different colors of the gay rainbow so each story is supposed to tackle a different sexuality while also having different gendered characters in it as well. Um, initially actually what started the whole thing was I was just I just wanted Fantasy setting with that happened to have queer characters in it. So mm-hmm. I first started off writing Co-Killy Co. as a challenge with a group that I was in. We were all writers and we wanted to start writing a little bit more. And I decided I wanted to write evil lesbian knights and just went for it. <laughs> and all of my friends were like, "Oh, can we read it?" And I was like, "Hold on, I think I might actually self-publish this." So.
0: So you instantly had an audience. Yeah. Kokoloko, it is about these two lesbian knights who basically go on a murder rampage. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which it is interesting to begin a series focusing on the villains.
1: Uh, I love villains, so it's natural for me but yeah it's very weird for just a series in general you get the villains
0: point of view and then later you're starting to get the heroes yeah it's really fascinating it definitely tells people what to expect from this story yeah so it's, if you're not if you're not good with the harshest of it then you're probably not going to be ready for the softer parts. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I had someone um, ask me once which one was the best to start with if you're afraid of violence, and I was like, oh, maybe none of these.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, from what I've read, I would probably say Velvet is maybe the least violent. It's more emotionally charged, I think. Definitely. Definitely. Now, these books don't follow a traditional format. They're very much a blend of poetry and prose. I'm just wondering, how did that come about? Um, weirdly enough, I think it's just my writing style
1: because I have um, another series called VVV Trilogy, and I've had people comment the same thing about that one as well. So I think it's just a natural habit to want to describe everything as visually as possible as i'm going through the story maybe because i'm also re- uh, an illustrator i guess
0: Mm-hmm. yeah color also plays a big role in this series as well yeah <laughs> i was wondering when you started with a story did you pick the color first and then work that in or was it just as you were writing it you sort of realized what color each novella was?
1: Hmm I know for Kokeliko, it was just to happen it just happened to do that because I didn't really have an idea for this series when I started it but as I was going I wrote Coquelico and then Velvet I was I didn't decide the color till after And then Sapphire had decided the color before, and then now I'm working on bronze, which is the orange-tinted one. Right. And I have all the colors, like, planned for what's coming up next.
0: Do you have the stories themselves planned out? A lot of the characters intersect into the other stories. So is that just something that happened naturally as you wrote, or do you sort of have a master game plan?
1: Um... It's just off the fly, I gotta say. For the first three especially, now I'm starting, as I'm drawing near to the last few or I'm like halfway about, I'm starting to plan a little bit more as to how these are going to keep intersecting and how much I want it to be a big deal versus how much I just want it to kind of happen.
0: Mhm. I was just wondering, what has the reception to these books been so far? from meeting people at conventions or through social media?
1: So far, people really like them. Like, I'm almost surprised because I don't do much editing for them. A lot of it is just, like, straight up the first draft with maybe a (laughs) few tweets.
0: Oh my (laughs)
1: goodness. (laughs) I read them, like, for spelling and grammar a little bit, and then that's about it. I just kind of, like, print and see what happens. And Coquelico, people have come back asking if there's another one and have immediately bought Velvet. And now people are starting to get the idea that I'm doing more. So then they're coming back asking, is the new one out?
0: (laughs) It seems like you do have a a subconscious game plan, perhaps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those... I didn't expect it. It was really very... um, it's a guilty pleasure, honestly, because they're so fun to write for me. So it doesn't feel like work at all. I'm just writing them because I'm like, oh, yes, I need to write this story next.
0: And I, I love them. I I mean, <laughs> you really got me at homicidal lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it was like the very first sentence, not even of the proper story, but the dedication in Kokoiko is thanking... I, I forget who you're thanking, but for them supporting your interest in evil lesbians, it's like I don't know what this is, but I'm so excited to read it. Oh
1: yeah, that's my girlfriend. I dedicated it to because I had initially was like not sure if I wanted to self-publish, it. and she's like, "Do it, do it, do it! Please do it!" So then I did it, and I'm like, "Well, thanks. I guess I'm yeah. a lesbian now."
0: It's just so unique in the field of fantasy. I think it's fantasy is sort of Become stuck in this homogenous look like it's always set in Europe it's always knights and kings it's always white people yeah and it's so great to be able to read something that this strips all that away and it just it doesn't even matter that the characters are gay it doesn't really matter that they're necessarily in a fantasy setting the important thing about it is the emotions
1: yeah I think a lot of my writing focuses on like the emotional aspect and how characters interact with one another and what people say versus what they choose not to say affects things. And I think that's just kind of important in most fiction nowadays is that everything's so focused on make this diverse or make this like this or make the instead of focusing on how that works for the story. So for me, Prison Nights, like for me, the race didn't matter. So for letting people imagine or impose their impressions of what these characters look like, that's fine with me. It was something that was like, you know what, it doesn't. it's not something that's going to affect the story for me, but it might affect the story for someone else being able to relate to these characters on an emotional level instead of worrying about Mm, but this person's just a white guy again.
0: Being able to put your own imagination onto somebody else's words is one of the charms of being able to read, you know? <laughs> it's kind of frustrating when the author is purposely making you to think of a character like, he must look this way and only this way. and like, what does it matter?
1: Yeah, honestly, that was one of the weird things that I noticed in fiction is often people go, hair color, eye color, skin color, and then move on. Or this person's really tall versus, you know, and I'm like, (laughs) as long as it relates reason-wise with the character, it doesn't, I don't mind. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, if I want this person to be purposefully tall, well, I'm going to mention, like, this guy's, like, really big, whatever. But if it's not something like skin color, hair color, mm, doesn't really... Unless it's like important to an aspect of the story, doesn't especially in this one, doesn't really matter
0: in this series. Yeah, I mean, you've even introduced a character as a female and then had them in a flashback as a male. Mm-hmm. Ro. and i I found that really interesting. And I liked that you didn't explain it. I liked that there was like another story with Ro somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe that's something you're going to explore in a future book. But yeah, I feel like I've been listening really closely,
1: especially to, because I'm on Twitter a lot. So I get a lot of influx of like, writers do and don'ts or things that people are really annoyed of in fiction and getting it. I think for me, it was really important to integrate trans characters that are not like dead named or purposefully like misgendered or anything. It was just, it's a flashback. So it happened, but that's about it,
0: you know? So I was wondering if you could maybe give us a little sneak peek about bronze maybe tell us a little bit about what returning characters there might be or what the general plot might be
1: well I can because I'm working on it now and I'm not like super headlong into it but I have like a vague idea of where I'm going so this one takes princess in the pea and spins it on its head a little um, the main character is non-binary, and Agatha comes back from Coquilico.
0: Oh. know yeah. I, I actually have to ask you, because I know Kokiliko is Rapunzel, and Sapphire is Sleeping Beauty. I'm not actually sure what Velvet was. Velvet is this, like, really...
1: Oh, I don't know if a lot of people know it, but it's called the Twelve Princesses. So it's Twelve a short.
0: Princesses.
1: Yeah, it's these princesses who disappear um, at night, and this king is like wondering where his daughters are going at night all the time. And then he has suitors figure it out, kind of thing. And this one guy does, and is like, oh, they're actually going to dance with their secret princes. And- <sighs>
0: As you say that, it does sound a little familiar, but yeah, okay. (laughs) I feel silly for not realizing that. It's not like
1: one of the big main popular ones, for sure. Yeah,
0: just kind of better to be able to play with something people aren't as familiar with. It feels a little bit more original, actually. I was actually thinking, oh, maybe this one is just like a pure original story because it's the last one.
1: Yeah, and I just like people asking me that question because it means they're paying attention, right? So it's like,
0: oh, well, I recognize
1: this and this, but not this.
0: What's yeah, this? you <laughs> know? And
1: yeah, and it's kind of fun because then it lets the reader discover something new, too, on the side. So if we, like, talk at a convention and they ask me, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to go and actually read that now and see what that's about.
0: It's good to have uh, extra reading material, extra homework.
1: (laughs) That's it. Prism Nights makes you do your homework.
0: (laughs) So the order of the books, it is based solely on the color. And it's not actually, like, it doesn't really matter which way you read them. No, not really.
1: Um, You can read them in the order that I'm releasing them. And it would be just the same as if you read them in order for... Each color if you wanted. It wouldn't be it would probably only change your impression of some of the characters as you're reading it. But yeah.
0: Well, you're always gonna start with Coca-Luco in that case.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, which is kind of the best, because like you said, it it like really sets the stage of what to expect going forward.
0: Any message you wanna share?
1: Um
0: please write more women on women (laughs) people. Please. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> the world needs more women on women. Agreed. They do. That is also, a don't
1: worry, gays. You're coming. I'm going to. I'm doing after bronze, which is the ace one, uh, we're going into like queer men. Oh, so.
0: there we go. What will the name of that one be? Or have you decided?
1: I have not decided, but the shade is green.
0: Okay, well, there's a lot of potential with that, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> very nature though, I imagine.
1: Oh, yes. It's either natures or gemstones for some reason, like trees
0: and plants or rocks. So, hey, <laughs> <Yeah>, why not? <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us. I really do look forward to reading the, uh, the following three. I look
1: forward to writing them all.
0: There's
1: actually <laughs> four. There's one... After the rainbow.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. (laughs) even more excited. Excellent. Excellent news. Oh, yes. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jay. Thank you. It was really fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to get a copy of Prism Nights, you can go to Jay Kiyakis' Etsy shop, Windy Wallflower, or visit her website, jaykiyakis.com. I am still in the early stages of planning Season 3, but I am pretty sure I am going to be analyzing the histories by Herodotus. I have another podcast, Historical Fantasy, which takes a look at history and myth and how it inspired some of my work. I'm going to do a bit of a crossover between the two. While Take a Closer Book will be doing a more scholarly approach to the text, On historical fantasy, I will discuss how the histories inspired my series, *The Whispers of the Gods*, a fantasy set in the Bronze Age. And speaking of *The Whispers of the Gods*, the second novel in the series, *Peccati the Azure Fish*, comes out next week on the 7th July. Because times are weird, I have decided to do a book launch—the only way possible these days—on the internet. You can join me on my Facebook page Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m., where I will be reading passages and answering your questions. Links and extra information in the show notes. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, et al., so you won't miss the first episode of Season 3 when it drops. Want more info? Then please go to my website, guineverelee.com. That's G-U-E-N-E-V-E-R-E-L-E-E dot com. I hope to be back soon. Until then, stay healthy, everyone. Picari, the Azure Fish is the thrilling sequel to Orope the White Snake. Aropi introduced historical fiction fans to a unique fantasy world inspired by Bronze Age history and mythology. Peikari takes them further, going to new kingdoms and introducing new characters. The gods are still angry, but the whispers of the gods are closer than ever to saving the world from a terrible flood. Kareth is still working for the powerful Imota. Kareth hopes Imota will help him deliver his message to the ruler of Mahat. But everything changes when the sorcerer Dedalion takes an interest in him. After the winter snows have melted, Tersh decides to head into the mountain kingdom of Matawe to reach the city of Mesete. Lost in this strange land, she must rely on the help of Tuthalia, a soldier with an unknown past who plans to return home and start a family. Shadi's journey seems doomed by the death of their leader, but the hunter set promises to lead them through the jungle. There are sinister things in the jungle, though, and their journey is beset by disease and attacks from wild animals. Samaki sails east. A last attempt to make a good trade that will save his livelihood. The Middle Sea has changed since Samaki last sailed, though, and the waters are rife with the ruthless sea people. Continue this wonderful journey with Guinevere Lee as she takes you through the fantasy world of Picari, the Azure Fish, the sequel to Orope, the White Snake. Ebook out now. Paperback coming the seventh of July. You can buy it or pre-order it on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, please go to the website guineverelee.com.